Thank you for joining us on the Dirkadia podcast. This is Megan Spur. John Spengler. Charles, I'm sorry, I'm interrupting again. Charles, you can't point at your monitor <laughs> to cue the next no, person. No, it, it worked out because you already went, so I knew it was my turn, and then you <laughs> fucked it up by talking. <laughs> Damn it, John, you fucked it up. I'm now not a Hannah. Now you know you never This is like, what, take three of this intro? Mm-hmm. <laughs> this knows? is Megan Spur. Uh, John Spengler. Hannah Goldberg-Craig. Oh, shit, it's my turn. God damn it. Charles, you have to edit this, and that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you that up, you go all you want. Oh. All right. Okay. No, <laughs> as, the, as I said, this was like our third take, and probably our fourth conversation before we finally got the recording rolling. Mm-hmm. John, you just dropped the, the bomb that you finally just watched all three seasons of Avatar. Yeah. Had you not watched it prior to this? No, I hadn't seen How anything. How have we been friends all of this time and you just now watched it? I know. I'm like, what? I'm, I'm a little... Uh, I'm, I'm a little... <laughs> Surprised? Well, first, first off, I blame you guys for being asleep at the wheel. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure when Legend of Korra was airing, there was not a week that went by when we weren't talking about Legend of Korra. So yeah. I consider that strong enough emphasis. Yeah, and yeah. if not, then I've been on a several panels in which you also heard me shrieking about it. So I yes. feel like you should you have the awareness. No, okay. Any- so so as someone who hadn't really watched, I mean, I, I'm part of the gigantic group of people that are watching it for the first time because it happens to be on Netflix and it mm. happens to be quarantine, and I just am sitting in front of the TV a lot. It's the perfect you storm. You're such a hipster that you didn't want to watch the thing that everyone else found cool before. Got it. No, I, I don't watch series very often. Like getting jumping into a series for me has like this and I'm getting over it by the way. I, I really am working on this and I've been watching a lot more series from start to finish. It had a lot of anxiety for me because I didn't want to have to like commit to watching a bunch of shit just in case I didn't like it. As if that matters. Like it it, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. I know. But it was like, oh that there's like eighteen seasons of that. I don't want to jump into it. I might as well just not start. <laughs> But, like, but, are you going to fail a report card because you only watched two seasons of The Expanse? Brain chemistry fucking sucks. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, <laughs> and, yeah, so I, I finally uh, watched The Last Airbender. And, I mean, I now understand why. And, and, and part of part of me not watching it is the ubiquity of the recommendation of Avatar. Every single friend I had that had watched it recommended it so it was like solidly in the i should probably watch that one day folder and then it just kind of got that status and i never picked it up again and now i understand why i am baffled how good that show is it's one of the most ethically sound character driven dramas i've ever seen in my life i mean it it is it is top tier fucking babylon 5 level everyone should fucking watch it because it's not only genre defining but like television definingly good media that made me cry every single time i watched it i got emotionally drained my my point to say that i've never watched babylon 5 (laughs) Yeah, 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 that's no, what I was going to say. I, I, I'm with you there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. By far, like, like I would recommend 
Babylon 5 as much as I would recommend Avatar now that I've seen both. It's just that Babylon 5 has the caveat that it's really old and janky and was <laughs> completely torpedoed by uh, being canceled in the middle of the fourth season and then being uncanceled. So they fucked it up. Avatar no, no, doesn't have that problem. Yeah. Kind of comparing the two, although it's obviously kind of apples to oranges, but one of the really fantastic things about Avatar is that the quality of the animation was so good and the animators were so skilled that it didn't age badly in the visual sense right like other shows Babylon 5 that kind of thing like uh these kind of like live action sci-fi shows they, they've aged terribly yeah but Avatar's animation was spectacular for the time and it still is just absolutely gorgeous and the animators did such a fantastic job studying actual martial artists representing the styles that each of the bending styles are based on and then translating mm -hmm. that into to animation that it's always stunning to look at so yeah yeah i mean i i was since the first like there's definitely an uptick in quality uh between seasons one two and three of avatar but the first season is so good that like from the first season on through it just got more spectacular it started spectacular and then got better and multiple times during a season i would just be gobsmacked by the animation that i was seeing like this is a random nearly a random filler creature feature episode and i'm watching a showdown between like azula and ang that i can't fucking believe what i'm watching and i'm like leaning forward on the couch fucking screaming like it's so good and i don't know i don't know where to start with avatar like it's i i think i think babylon 5 and avatar are not super apples to oranges because they're both they both do the thing that i really like about big epic stories is that they don't do anything they don't spend any time on any episode on a story that isn't related directly to a personal journey that a character is going on, which is the str literally just besides the fact that Babylon 5 was years ahead of its time and was basically a Netflix show in the 90s, was the strength of Babylon 5. They didn't, they, every time there was a weird episode, it was because they weren't leaning strong, uh, leaning on their super strong characters. And Avatar is nothing but personal journeys framed by a badass war in a cool world but it was always a personal journey it, i was shocked that they just managed to stock a stock a show meant meant for kids full of main characters every single person's a main character and they all meaningfully change and zuko might be my favorite character from any piece of media ever like just he's so good i don't know like there's like 18 different characters that are main characters in the show and uh i don't know uh, unless we want to like dive into a specific aspect of avatar like i i'm amazed that it exists like it it threaded the needle of almost every single episode being weirdly perfect like i don't know what i would say about the show i will say i wasn't a hundred percent satisfied by the ending i don't know if that's a hot take avatar wise but yeah, I think it's it's interesting. It wrapped it up with like a really pretty bow. And I I wanted more conflict out of that, but I also again am an adult and not the not the younger audience that I like that conflict, I like that drama. And that also though did lead into, you know, Legend of Korra, the mm -hmm. next show after that. And but quite one a few I, comics too. Very, yeah, there's some yeah. very good comics. Do you want to know what happened to Zuko's mom? No, I don't, because I have the uh, collection of The Promise in the mail right now. John, can I borrow it when you're done? Because yeah. I haven't read it yet. Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll, 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 no. We'll, Megan, we'll you should have told distance. me that like three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> 
uh, as of this recording, yesterday, the 30th, uh, it was when the collection came out on Amazon. Great. So I, I will get it sometime in the next two months. Uh, and I will, I will pass it along. No, no. So okay. the ending of the ending of Avatar, just real quick. And I mean, I guess I'm spoiling a show that just came out on Netflix and might like spoilers might not be appreciated, but yeah, you should but go fucking watch it. Yeah, but the show is also like 14, 12, six, I think 12 years old. Sure. Something like that. I'm, I'm um, willing to, to spoil that. Okay. So the, the ending I didn't like, and this was a weird misstep, like lesser shows allow the main character to get a silver bullet to solve a problem in the same episode and then don't examine it don't tie it to a personal narrative and just all of a sudden a silver bullet solves a gigantic problem and literally the only time that happens in all of avatar the last airbender that a character is given a silver bullet to solve a problem and in the same episode it's not examined it's not there's no switcheroo no nothing is the last episode of avatar and sure that last i'll disagree with you on that Really? So you're specifically talking about the lesson learned by the giant sea turtle, right? Turtle yeah, yeah, I, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so it's interesting if you go back and I've been reading up uh, mostly because I've been actually trying to reread Dave Filoni's time while working on Avatar, which is another point we'll get to. But they actually were touching on the sea turtle in key moments throughout the series. It actually gets represented in a couple of different scrolls. There's a different points where like key messages are being received by Aang that that is kind of in the background and the art. They're trying to see that through it sure. until they got to that point. The and they thing failed. That they were saying that they weren't happy about specifically was the artwork. Apparently that, that got a bit, I guess, lost in translation when they were doing the character design, they wanted it to look a little bit more badass from what I could tell from the storyboarding on it. But mm-hmm. it was a, a like, oh my gosh, I can do, you know, I can take away somebody's bending. That part, mm-hmm. yes, you're right. That was a like a net new, we just figured that out. Yep. But the fact that there is an old soul essentially out there to help with that teaching is mm-hmm. actually something that they were trying to represent throughout the series. I think it was just done a little bit too subtly. And then also to spoil something for future stories, so that's your warning that yeah. taking away somebody's bending is a key part of a messaging that's happening within legend of Korra. So sure. it may not have been explored within, within the last airbender, but it was then uh, brought back to be explored within the following series. So it, mm-hmm. it just, yeah. To touches be, in another place. To be fair, the due sex machina of the turtle bending, it was a miss of the staff to try and seed that through. Like there there are screenshots that show like where the great turtle is seen in the background, but it was far, far, far too subtle. It wasn't it, it wasn't seeded as well as it could have been. And yeah, that like that has been kind of a bit of a point of contention in the fandom pretty much mm-hmm. since since it aired. But yeah. I I was it's very interesting because I watched the last Avatar probably about three years, maybe before Legend of Korra came out, maybe a little bit longer than that. But watching them kind of like back to back, it sort of completes that journey for me when they talk about there's a lot more about like the history of the Avatar throughout Legend of Korra. The two absolute best episodes of Legend of Korra, and this isn't really spoiling everything, is essentially how the Avatar came to be. Yeah. And the art style is just a little bit of a departure from the rest of the show and it's absolutely gorgeous. Um say what you will about Legend of Korra, but those two episodes were just 
absolutely spectacular, both in storytelling and visuals. But, you know, for me personally, the finale of Last Airbender, I really didn't care about Aang and, yeah. um, and Ozai. For me, that was all about Zuko and Katara against Azula. 100%. That was the oh, real... the Azula fight was the best. And that's the real finale. That's, I think, the thing that had like the most emotional investment. Yep. Um, and John, you mentioned about Zuko being um, mm-hmm. being such a great character. I Zuko is absolutely my favorite character in the show. Mm-hmm. He is, of course, voiced by uh, Don Basco, who was Rufio in Hook. <laughs> Rufio. That's awesome. Rufio. Yeah. yeah, that's him. I did not know that, but now did, I love him yeah, even more. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yep, that's Rufio. And I still remember, like, I loved, like, Zuko has the best character redemption arc in any form of media that I have ever seen. Uh-huh. Um, oh, the uh, scene where he begs forgiveness the from moment, his uncle. Oh, God, that murdered me. I'm, I don't <sighs> think I've ever actually come back to life from that scene. But the moment that I absolutely fell in love with Zuko, because I had liked him, but I was like a little bit on the fence. <clears> and I was like, this is such a great story. But the moment that I just came to absolutely adore him as a character, I will never forget. It's when he finally, in the third season, finally is just about to meet up with the whole crew. And he's talking to, I think, a duck turtle. No, it was a, it was a, it wasn't a duck turtle. It was a frog, it was a frog something. Yeah. Yeah. Frog yeah. something. <laughs> trying to figure out what he's going to say and there's this this one scene Zuko here hi Zuko here hi Zuko here (laughs) the delivery of that line has occupied a surprisingly large piece of my brain ever since I originally saw that it was so perfect and it showed so much about how he come where he come from as a character that Toph never got to go on her personal journey with Zuko. <laughs> right. She was like, when do I get to go? I, I also just recently watched through all of Avatar, but mm-hmm. um, I like that we've got, gone this far without talking how hard did everybody cry during Tales of Bossing Say. Oh yeah, that was really good. <sighs> I think honestly, if I were to talk about one piece of media that mm-hmm. made me cry... Um, Tales of Bossing Say is tied with that dragon cancer. <laughs> Those are the two pieces of media where I can be like, absolutely, if you do not cry during that, you are a monster. Yep. So I haven't watched it as recently as you. That mm. was the Iroh and his son. Okay. Yes. Yeah. In, in memory yeah, of the okay. voice actor that had died. Yeah. yeah, I think that was uh, I think that was actually the part for me that like really cinched it in was that was the episode that was in the memory of Mako. And mm-hmm. I knew it was coming because I had enjoyed his voice acting in other shows. So like mm-hmm. I knew it was coming, but that just didn't didn't stop it from hurting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I did mention this before and I do want to call it out. One of the things a talented director and showrunner, Dave Filoni, was working on Avatar, actually, when he got the call to work with Lucas to do The Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the one that, as I've been frothing about uh, with Clone Wars and then going into Rebels and then now uh, going, gosh, he did um, Mandalorian. I was going to yes. say, yeah, the Mandalorian, um, probably well, what he's most well known for right now. Uh, 
I don't know. I think I think he might be more well known for Clone Wars than he is a Mandalorian. Uh, because Mandalorian technically is overrun by Kevin Feige and then Dave Filoni as underneath that. But still, well, I know that, and and obviously, like John Favreau also does a lot yeah, of Mandalorian. But... Oh, sorry, you're right. You're yeah. right. Favreau. I don't know where. It, wow, my brain just like went to Marvel, and yeah. I just picked the wrong name. You know, uh, but there's Favreau. so much overlap. Yes. <laughs> I I don't know. I I think that. While I think he's done amazing work on on Clone Wars and Rebels and everything, it just the Mandalorian's like ridiculous mainstream popularity. I think, yeah. but I mean, you know, we know with the next season of the Mandalorian that those two worlds are coming together in a lot of ways. So, um, are, are really we exciting. getting? Conf- I don't know how com- much confirmation we've gotten on that. There's, uh, she's been casted, so I'm pretty sure. Has there been confirmation on that? Everything that I see says that they're like nobody can find absolute. It's all rumors pointing back to one source, but nothing that's confirmed yet that I've seen. Sorry, we're discussing about the fact that Ahsoka might be on The Mandalorian in season two, the character that I and many people care the most about in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyways, but so back to Avatar. No, uh, just Dave again, Lord. again, char- again, character-driven drama. In yeah, a fantastical exactly. world, that's super yeah. fun. I actually didn't, you know, I I discovered Dave Filoni as part of Clone Wars and a story that I cared a lot about. And mm. it wasn't until much later that I discovered that he was on Avatar. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, that fits. He directed a few episodes and then was doing storyboarding for Avatar. And I was like, yeah, that, you know, the math checks out on that because the attention to detail and character development that mm-hmm. happened on that show is reflected in all the pieces of media that I love that he's associated with. But Avatar was one of those where I kind of tie it a lot to my love of Harry Potter, which is, you know, problematic these days. Uh, well, I mean, it was problematic always. I just didn't actually discover how problematic it was until I put critical thought to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's one of those where I think that it, it made me think a lot more about character development of so-called like bad characters, right? The, the bad guys mm-hmm. and their, their growth. I look at Zuko in a similar vein in which I looked at Snape. While one I saw redemption, the other one I saw just growth. No redemption, just growth. And so it, it was just an interesting moment for me to like look at character development in different spaces where I was like, I actually really like that. I it, it really pinpointed for me what kind of characters I'm more drawn to and why I like to read those. And it's an, it's just an interesting space. It's kind of, I love young adult fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, you know, I'll, I'll forever read, you know, YA novels. So mm-hmm. this just, it fit a, a sweet spot for me and I couldn't really put a finger on it until mm-hmm. I was able to you know, I knew that I liked these other stories. And then I started watching the series and I was like, oh, yeah, this fits. I will say a difference between, say, Snape and Zuko, which I think is actually the difference, is that Avatar leaves a lot of room for on-camera exploration of trauma and mm-hmm. things that can shape a character and lead them to desperate choices and choices that you wouldn't necessarily make yourself. Uh, and Snape was never given that time on screen in his journey to allow him to be a full character to grow i mean a lot of snape stuff is 
meant to be secret throughout the whole but that's journey, actually kind right? of what i liked about it is that it was a, mm-hmm. a thing that you discover at the end of you hate him all along and then surprise there was all of this background and then you're you're left to contemplate all of your assumptions that you made throughout all along right? sure. and to decide whether he was redeemed or not hint he was not <laughs> no fuck snape are you serious yeah. Uh, no. yeah, the internet no. fucking the, the internet fucking sucks. I hate the yeah. internet. Snake, snake's a dickhole. God yeah. damn it! <laughs> but <laughs> I wanted you get to go through that journey with him. Yeah, like yeah. You get to be there go fi- the whole go time. figure mm-hmm. go figure. It's yeah. more fun to grow with the characters and actually be given the information that informs their decision, that trauma that informs their decision, and then have them wrestle with it. Like that was the thing that I liked about Avatar. It wasn't coy about like the reveals were in avatar weren't info dumps that then elucidated the rest of the story where you had a bunch of questions like the like avatar was confident enough in the characters it was writing and the story it was telling to tell you why the characters were doing the things they were doing and then the cliffhangers the moments of truth the questions you had to answer were what the characters were that you cared about and understood were gonna do and you were rooting yeah. for them the whole time, rooting against them, like just like, oh, oh, it was just a brave enough, well enough written show that it knew its characters were good and fleshed out. And it didn't shy away from giving the viewer the information necessary to get invested. Yeah. It's such a it's such a cheap ass thing to say, like, actually, Snape was a good guy the whole time. Fuck that shit. It's terrible. Yeah. Just tell us why the characters do what they do and let us get hooked and fall in love with them. And or, or in the case of like, for example, Zuko in, in season one, like, let us understand the pain so that we can at least commiserate and like get connected. And then we get to fucking experience this arc. It's just a well-written show that's fucking awesome and brave and solid. It's yeah. it, it's top tier TV. Everyone should everyone should see it. I understand why all of my friends told me to fucking. <laughs> <laughs> OK, my last two thoughts on this are I will say I I still like the thing that happened with Snape of the, like I had to go back and question all of my mm-hmm. assumptions. Sure. I liked that, that the, the, the like switcheroo, but that's not to say that that is not top tier writing. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. That is something that I, I had to contemplate and grapple with myself of mm-hmm. a, an arc that I enjoyed. And then having to debate whether or not that meant he was redeemed or was he a good guy? And he's not, and he wasn't, but that I liked having that challenge. I just believe that the internet's wrong, but that being said, I don't think that that's nearly as good writing as what, mm-hmm. what happened to Zuko. Um, I I'm, I'm, to- I, I, yeah. I'm going to interject one idea here is that Azula's the Snape of Avatar, where yeah. in the last couple of episodes, uh, in the amazing beach episode, so good. <laughs> oh my God. Ooh, everyone discussed. We are discuss- the perfect guests. We show up <laughs> in at exactly the time required. Oh my God. It's so good. Uh, everyone's a fleshed out character and Azula's defined by saying that Zuko's pathetic for not understanding his own design. Anyway. Um, no, Azula is the Snape of Avatar and the payoff for her being like wrestling with the fact that, you know, with a complicated mother and father situation uh, being labeled a monster being, you know, labeled a sociopath, that kind of thing. The, the payoff before the final confrontation of revealing that was very satisfying. I still got, I still got the Snape payoff of like, oh, she is a human cool she's not just a force of nature cool 
I still want her to go down. I'm still scared of her. Ooh, it's yeah. still satisfying. It's still like, and it, and it wraps up and, and that momentum is added to a final confrontation as opposed to just Snape getting ganked by a snake and then stuff. Happens. <laughs> I don't know. Like, yes. like, like that moment, that momentum is harnessed into complicating the showdown you wanted to see for three fucking seasons. Well, two seasons. <laughs> and yeah, I don't know. Like it's, Snape exists in Avatar and it's Azula and Azula is fucking my second favorite character. It's fucking great. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, my second point, and I, you've heard me talking to Hannah about this. Um, mm. If you enjoyed the storytelling with Avatar, I do highly recommend that you watch She-Ra. I think that they mm-hmm. have done very similar character development, character growth. I think Katra is probably one of my favorite characters out there right now. And it's not the character arc that I thought it was going to be. And I love where they ended it. So Mm -hmm. I just make that recommendation, you know, whether you enjoy it or not, I'm happy to have that discussion because it's not for everybody, but I definitely enjoyed it and like having the discussion. Uh, So I I have two series on my list next and that's She-Ra and Dragon Prince and Dragon Prince only because the fucking avatar fucking writer dude is on it and i watched like an episode and i heard Sokka's voice and i'm like all right cool that's fine (laughs) yeah no pretty much same character too yeah it really it fits in well yeah (laughs) Uh, i'm gonna i'm I'm gonna watch those two shows before i watch Korra by far (laughs) but i will watch Korra as well i will watch Korra as well yeah, uh, but those those would be uh, the, the order in which I would recommend watching things too. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, so yeah, I'm really glad that you watched Avatar. I'm very yeah, happy. it's great. It's such a I don't know defining show of things that I enjoy in media. So I'm so happy that somebody I care for watched it. Thank you. No, uh, <laughs> if uh, if 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 our listeners care about what and i would imagine they do like what media can do what a serialized story can do like the 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 heights that a story can achieve with uh arguably very focused palette of stuff like it's a nickelodeon cartoon they can't use cheap gore and 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 violence to like tell a story like that is to its credit it is what argue it like i don't like ranking stuff like it's the best show ever or whatever but like everyone knows there's that top tier of show that like transcends stuff that's going to be good for decades and avatar mm-hmm. is definitely that top tier yeah like highly like, our our listeners may like me have gone a couple of years without people buffeting them with fucking uh recommendations to watch avatar Here, <laughs> here's another sneak attack go load up netflix and watch it right now it's really good yeah if you if you listen to this podcast you'll probably like avatar oh right? yeah for like, sure. it is completely in the wheelhouse of all of the things that we talk about for sure yeah, yeah. moving on from avatar in another mm-hmm series recommendation a lot darker than avatar Uh, (laughs) i wanted to start with avatar because this gets this gets dark (laughs) it gets it gets deep so hannah you and charles have been talking about watchmen too uh and i actually hadn't watched it prior to charles saying that he wanted to watch it because you wanted to discuss it right Mm -hmm. Uh, i didn't watch it because I had such a problem with Watchmen in the movie and, you know, Watchmen and the follow-up comic book series. Sure. Uh, 
Snyder, yeah. I can just you can just go jump off a cliff. Yeah, I just I didn't I didn't like anything about it, and I was like, nobody's gonna be able to represent this well. I hate it, and I'm out. So Charles sat down and said, like, all right, I want to watch the first couple of episodes for this discussion. So I know John said that he has seen the first episode just kind of running in the background, and Charles and I sat last night riveted and watched the first three episodes, and probably Fantastic. would have watched more if it if I didn't also realized that I had a giant presentation and do the next morning and probably not doing it half asleep. Yeah, when 10 o'clock rolls around, we're like, oh, you want to watch well, more? Well, you didn't have to yes. call it was 10 p.m., Charles. I know I'm old and I go to bed. So just, make your pre- just make your presentation about Watchmen. I mean. <laughs> I, it's, I t- you know what? It's pretty applicable nowadays. <laughs> Yeah, so I ended up watching uh, Watchmen because, (laughs) so my mom must be one of the 10 people left in the United States that still actually gets Netflix DVD service. Are you serious? Yes. I didn't know they still had that. I thought they they ended it. They sure do. They sure do. (laughs) Like Netflix doesn't know they still do, so, you know, know. keep that (laughs) Yeah, let's not tell them. Yeah, no, they actually still have Netflix DVD service. Please, also, please, no one think that I'm neglecting my mother. I have streaming stuff set up for her that I set up for her six months ago. She has a very nice cable package. She can stream Netflix. It's all well taken care of. She just likes DVDs, too. It's it's fully personal. It's fully a personal choice. I love you, Hannah's mom. That is absolutely fine. I, I, I I just like that, like... I I kind of hate that my initial instinct is to be like, oh, Hannah's mom really likes de- like director's commentaries. Because <laughs> that's like the only reason to watch things on DVD nowadays. So it, it actually, it comes down to that there is stuff that doesn't make it onto Netflix before it's released as a DVD. And up until yep. recently, I kind of was walking her through how you like rent movies via stuff. And that was kind of a new learning experience for all of us. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But I spent 10 minutes with my mother this morning connecting Disney Plus to her smart TV so that she could watch Hamilton this weekend. <laughs> oh, we, there's going to be some uh, some competition on that account to watch Hamilton this weekend. <laughs> oh, dear. You can have multiple people logged in. Can we do like a group viewing? Is that, is that a thing we can do? I don't know. Oh, yeah. Uh, that might, we might need to. I have had one instance on Netflix where there have actually been too many people logged in, and that was a very sad day. <laughs> so anyway, she actually got the first disc of Watchmen on DVD, like completely independently. Like she has a she's she's fantastic at picking out like really good and really bad movies, and so she was like, I you know this is like I know what Watchmen is. I don't know anything about the show. Do you want to watch it? And I was like, you know, I wasn't going to because. Besides the Watchmen graphic novel, the only other media of Watchmen that I have been, like, even tertiary kind of exposed to has been the Zack Snyder movie, which I despise, which is a terrible, terrible movie that is... It's bad adaptation because it tries too hard to be a bad ad- adaptation, but I'm not going to get sure. into everything that's wrong with the Watchmen movie. It's just bad. Right. And then also the, what is it, before Watchmen and, and a bunch of really bad comic books. So I was not originally interested, but then I started reading about how this Watchmen series is HBO's Watchmen actually had like talked about the Tulsa race massacre, which is a extremely underrepresented and undertaught um, really horrible piece of American uh, history that everybody should know about and very few people know about, illustrated by the point where a lot of people watch Watchmen and were like, 
wow, that historical thing that they made up sure is powerful and had to be told like, no, sorry, Greenwood Massacre actually happened. Yeah, yeah, we did that. Yep, nope, we totally did that. That happened. So we sat down and watched it, and we ended up immediately ordering the other two DVDs. We had a couple of very late nights where we watched every single episode, and we're up till like 1 or 2 a.m. After the, uh, it was the sixth episode, um, I and I'm going to stay super spoiler light because I really can't recommend this show more, and everybody should watch it, and I don't want to spoil stuff because people should see yeah. it. But the sixth, ep- I believe it's the sixth episode, episode is so powerful and intense as to actually be extremely challenging to watch and this is a show filled with moments that are extremely challenging to watch but basically what hbs watchman is is it is a self-contained nine episode tv series damien lindorf who was a showrunner on lost among other things the showrunner on it and it is uh, it takes place about 30 years after the original watchman graphic novel and it takes place in the same universe to the point of where some of the same characters come back and events of the graphic novel fully inform the world and it is it has nothing to do with the shitty movie it doesn't go into any of the other comics it is the watchman graphic novel and hbo's watchman and that's pretty much it with a few references to like superman as like in in universe fiction and it takes place primarily in tulsa oklahoma and it is on the surface about in the aftermath of a really terrible series of crimes police are legally allowed to wear masks to protect their identities like vigilantes from white supremacists a straight up white supremacist like no bones about it white supremacists mm-hmm. and what the show is really about is an exploration of systemic racism institutionalized racism generational trauma which is actually something that i think is incredibly interesting and something that is not explored this way that i've seen in a lot of other shows and the way that it is just able to explore these themes with this in this world where some of this stuff like fascism and the effects of fascism have long been uh themes that go through almost all of alan moore's work except for the weird fairy tale sex stuff that's i should say good alan moore not like i'm a wizard alan moore um but there's kind of iterating and building on those themes and the thing that sort of like above everything that just really really impressed me about watchmen is it's such a fantastic story told in a world that manages to improve almost everything about the world that it's telling the story in by looking at it from different perspectives, particularly perspectives of marginalized communities that were almost completely and totally ignored in the original material. In Watchmen, there are, I think, literally two black characters in the entire graphic novel. Like they, And they're bit characters. Everybody is a white person. There's really only one female character that does anything. And a lot of the time she's damselified and being spoilers for a comic book that's 30 years old being the product is rape is like a huge like device as part of her backstory it literally informs like her entire character essentially as soon as you find out about it but hbo's watchman is able to take so many of the themes from the original work and build them into what's happening in our culture right now like my mom kept saying like i can't believe i just randomly decided to watch this show now like everything about this is so applicable to what's going on in the news like every single thing about this and it's it's so hard to watch but so important to watch 
also the female leads are amazing like really really amazing so that's me babbling about Watchmen. everybody really should watch it it is very powerful and really really challenging but it's worth it like it's absolutely worth it it also tells a spectacular story but i i would i would challenge everybody to watch it and use it as a learning tool because whew, it's uh filled with teaching moments now we've only seen the first three episodes so like the first third of mm-hmm. the, the season so far are they gonna do more i don't know like i haven't got to the end i will say and this isn't a spoiler it is a self-contained story uh lindorf i think i'm pronouncing that right i might be pronouncing that wrong he said basically like this is the only story i'm interested in telling in this world right now so i'm done and hbo doesn't seem to be interested in doing anything more without him. There are some rumors about them maybe doing like an anthology style type series of just stories told in the world of Watchmen, but there's been nothing official about that. So for now, this kind of seems like it's it. Okay. I think it helps if you are familiar with who the Watchmen were before you go into this. That was one of the questions I was going to ask is like, should I read the original comic before going into the show? So I will say that my mom and I actually had a whole lot of conversations about that because it is a show that is uh, also kind of challenging to follow. There's a lot happening all of the time. I think the show, if you bear with it, I think the show does an extremely good job of explaining all of the stuff that is important from the Watchmen graphic novel. It certainly helps you understand a lot of the nuance earlier if you've read the graphic novel. And there are so many visual references and Easter eggs and nods to uh, things from the graphic novel that if you haven't read it, you you wouldn't, you just absolutely wouldn't know. And there's, and they're not like necessarily plot, plot importance. Like in the Watchmen graphic novel, there's a comic book inside of the comic book. Oh, mm-hmm. Tales from the Black Freighter or something like yes, that? Yes, exactly. So Tales yeah. from the Black Freighter is a, it is a comic book within the Watchmen world, but it's actually like a comic book that you read throughout the course of the graphic novel. There are certain references to it in HBO's Watchmen, and there's a character whose name is Pirate Jenny, and her bandana is the same logo from the comic. And it has no bearing on the story whatsoever. It totally doesn't sure. matter. But if you read the graphic novel, you're like, oh shit, I know what that is. And stuff like the Hiroshima shadows on the wall, and there are some visual scenes that are composed almost exactly like comic book like iconic comic book panels and there are a lot of like references and dialogue of just like quotes from the comic or quotes really close to the comic so as somebody who has read Watchmen many many times and also read a lot of the literary analysis about Watchmen and written some literary analysis about Watchmen that was a huge joy to me um because Watchmen absolutely has problematic pieces to it of course it does but it's also Mm -hmm. (laughs) one it's also one of if not maybe the most important comic book um that's ever been written yeah i'll agree with that right like i've i you and i have had discussions about watchmen where i've i i've had a lot of issues with it and it's it's really challenging for me to read and this has been challenging for me to watch, mm-hmm. but part of that is also that I just really dislike violence. I have a really hard yeah. time watching that. And, and it's that, definitely violent, yeah. But yeah. I, and so that's not to say it's bad. It's, you know, I'll I'll spend a few minutes at a time staring at the back of my hands or, or the back of a pillow. But, you know, I, I had challenge with Watchmen, the original comic. But, John, to your point of, like, whether you need to actually read 
the original comic? Do you need to be familiar with all of this? It's similar to going back to her video game roots. While I will drone on about why you should play Dragon Age 2 before Inquisition, you don't sure. have to. But right. it is so much richer if you do. Right. So, it's an- it's yeah. anchored. There's more texture to it. Like you have a jumping off point for the things it's exploring. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Totally. And it yeah. just, it touches, it makes emotional touch points to things that would otherwise just be world building. Um, mm-hmm. And so there's, it, it is so much richer for doing so. Sure. Um, so I, 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 but it is an investment and it's, it's an emotional investment. Like I, that's, I think the thing I want to call out, if you're going to do that, just be prepared. This is not, you know, you're not, you're not reading Batman year zero here. This is, <laughs> this is a lot more than that. Yeah. Watchmen, the graphic novel is, is yeah, you know, you're right. It, it's absolutely an investment. It's, it's long, it's dense. It explores a lot of, it explores a lot of really tough and challenging themes. And that's honestly part of why I like how the show has been handled so much is that it's done a lot of the same things, but it's just so much more, <laughs> it's, I, you know, it's so much less white manny than than Watchmen the graphic novel. I yeah, I, it's a hard for me to think of a different way to put it. Watchmen the graphic novel really focused around a whole bunch of white dudes doing a whole bunch of white dude stuff, and that doesn't make it less important to where it stands in history, and it doesn't make it less of a of a good story. But HBO's Watchmen is more important and impactful, and and just more suitable for 2020. Also, John, like, uh, like I said, mom and I watched it. Um, she thought that she would have not liked it as much without somebody there to explain a lot of the Watchmen references to her. But sure. she did understand, like, at the end when every when the plot was fully laid out and everything, like, she got it and she liked it and she thought it was great and everything was like explained okay. and it wasn't impossible to follow or anything like that. Sure, sure. So it, yeah, it's a it's 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 a meaningful addition, but it's not necessary. Yes, absolutely. Okay, I think that's a great way cool. to put it. Gotcha. Can I touch on something that's much more lighthearted that I like about the show? Yeah. <laughs> uh, one of the casting choices. Um, oh. <laughs> it took me yeah. a while to figure out Silk Spectre and who she was and where I recognized the actress from. She was from Designing Women. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go back through IMDb for a while. <laughs> I was gonna say it's not like that's the last thing she did. Oh no, she's done a lot of things. But I was trying to remember. I'm like, I knew her from a comedy, and I couldn't figure out what it was. And I went to her IMDb, and I was scrolling for a while until I got back to uh, the late '80s, early '90s wow. uh, to her role on Designing Women. I'm like, yes, that is where I knew her from. Her name was Charlene, and she was delightful. Anyways. Also, oh my goodness, Don Johnson can sing really well. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Was not expecting that. Uh, Just uh, added delights after we talked about how really dark and challenging this series is. Mm -hmm. There's a couple of cute things. Just there are, there are. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. There's like, there's a lot of dark comedy in the style of the Watchmen graphic novel, which was had some really darkly hilarious moments. So it does a lot of the same things. And the main character, uh, Sister Knight, she is. Um, <laughs> every single time something happened, and I went, 
what the fuck like two beats later on screen she'd go what the fuck like she's a perfect <laughs> she's like a great audience xb for a lot of for a lot of moments mm-hmm. yeah that's just, it's i'm so excited for everyone here to watch it and finish watching it because i want to discuss it in more like i want to like break it down and talk about the ending and oh i want to talk about the or there's an origins episode that i want to talk about so so much because it's my absolute favorite part of the show and uh yeah so you guys have to keep watching it so we can talk about it more but i'll stop now yeah because episode three was the phone call to dr manhattan isn't so that's as far as we got that is uh that's a really good episode yeah Yep, introducing Lori Blake is, and she is a great character on this show. I, she is a character that from the original graphic novel, I have a lot of issues with, but they the show does a really good job in um, how she has changed as she's gotten older and become a very different person who is really cool. Yeah, I actually had thought, having not actually read anything about the series, that they were just going to like leave the original the, the, the Watchmen graphic novel characters mm-hmm. as just like background references. Uh so that was really interesting to like have brought into the show. Like mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be a, like this new generation kind of thing, right? It it's a very cool way in which they well, like I said, it, it does a really, really great job of tying the past to the present in a way that makes both periods of time really, really important. Because like I said, there is a lot of exploration of generational trauma within the show. So yeah, highly recommend, highly, highly recommend. So for the folks in the know, I have a question. Just looked on Amazon for what what Watchmen comic returns, right? And I see that there is a 2019 edition of Watchmen that mentions the HBO series and it's a bestseller. So obviously this is what's happening, right? Like the show is making people go buy it. I also see things like Watchmen book one of eight, which is what this book is titled. Like I assume that the, the important work is the first book called Watchmen. That's 400 pages, right? Like yes. that's yes. Okay. They did a Watchmen series where they went after it was individual characters right mm-hmm. yeah so i think they also okay. did a like before watchmen no you want the one yeah. that was originally printed in uh 80 87 yes 87 thank you oh yeah sorry 86 and 87 yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah i think it was um i think it's like eight individual issues but uh, the only 12. way 12 yes that's right because it's super long the only way you can buy it is in a collected you know collective yep. grade yes i mean that's also a book that i would highly recommend anybody who even has a passing man not even just a passing interest in comics like watchmen is an important if you want to understand a lot of the environment of the 70s and 80s that has led us to where we currently are i think watchmen is actually a very good exploration of that and especially as we talk about like the fallout of the cold war and u.s and russia relations but then also if you have even a passing interest in comic books, Watchmen is an extremely important deconstruction of Capes and Cowls comics. And I mean, Watchmen is essentially what made people pay attention to comic books and realize that realize that comic books could have literary themes and could be, you know, works of art to be taken seriously. That kind of sucks because there were marginalized communities who were doing that in underground comic books and zines for decades before Watchmen came out. But Watchmen is extremely important. It is a, it is a seminal work as far as comic books are concerned. And it's also just good. It's really good. It's, it gets, it, the story itself is good. 
it's smart, it's clever, it has a great ending. Okay, cool. Alan Moore looks like a body double for Charlie Manson. Yeah, no, I saw that picture on Amazon as well. Yeah. He's just getting weirder as he ages, too. Oh, you know, that's something really great, actually, about the HBO Watchmen series is, of course, Alan Moore completely disowns it, like he disowns adaptations of all of his work, which Mm -hmm. I kind of can't blame him for, because when you look at something like V for Vendetta, which is a fantastic movie, but a horrific adaptation of his of his work that completely removes all of the anti-fascist Nazis are super bad um, messaging from his original comic, and that's not anywhere in the movie. I, I don't blame him. But Dave Gibbons, who was the co-creator of Watchmen, the graphic novel, is actually Mm -hmm. an executive producer on the show and provides some art and some other stuff and like story stuff. So he's actually super involved in the making of the show. And is nice. uh, Good. Yeah, it's it's really fantastic. I mean, Alan Moore's also written other things that I have a lot of challenges with, notably Batman the Killing Joke. He's <laughs> I mean, any of his modern stuff is highly, highly super problematic. Like his weird sex fairy tale stuff is I'm not I will I will never be an Alan Moore apologist. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just I also want people again, I I take this this line from Anita Sarkeesian of be critical of the media that you love and mm-hmm. you know, also think about the people that are writing it and the works that they've done. You know, Watchmen is a challenging piece of work in all forms. The original comic and the series that we're talking about on HBO, it's you know, again, he's Alan Moore is disassociated from it, but they're all challenging but they should also be you should be critical of it you Mm -hmm. should look at it and everything like take it into the bigger picture and you know i i've talked about that i have challenges with ultra violent content i have problems with people who treat women as chandeliers and lamps and Mm -hmm. other terrible things and this man is it has definitely been part of that absolutely so it's it's something to keep in mind but that also shouldn't stop you from reading it and being mm-hmm. you know educating yourself from it because that doesn't necessarily stop it from being impactful for what it did so i guess it's just one of the things i wanted to bring up in that space i i would only have one disagreement with you and that is when you said that uh watchman is challenging in all forms i disagree i think the simpsons take on watchman watchman babies is wholesome <laughs> family fun Okay, I've not seen that. Oh my god, it is a oh, it's a it's a real Simpsons deep cut. <laughs> I Where, had no idea that existed. So I'm finding a screenshot. Oh man, Watchmen Babies V for Vacation. <laughs> <laughs> How do you do a Doctor Manhattan for? <laughs> he he has he has his thing on. Okay, good, nice. So, yeah, The Simpsons, this was, oh, when was this episode? Oh, God, I would love to know. While you look that up, uh, man, I just did an Alan Moore Google image search, Ah. and he looks like Dumbledore got arrested. Yeah. Man, it just looks like (laughs) there was a scandal at Hogwarts, and he got fucking ousted. He was about to cast a water-to-meth spell. (laughs) (laughs) Alan Moore has claimed twice that he's met John Constantine in person. John Constantine is, of course, a character that uh, he created in originally in Swamp Thing and then went on to have his own Hellblazer series. Uh, yeah. He is, I believe, currently on the CW show Legends of Tomorrow, but Alan Moore has mm-hmm. met him twice in real life. Yeah, I can say lies, too. It's easy. <laughs> 
You know what? I am glad they brought him back, even if it was just for Legends of Tomorrow. Like that that Constantine show was pretty good. The actor's great. The actor's got it. I actually yes. just I just watched the uh, Crisis on Infinite Earth, all the crossover episodes yesterday, and um, oh, okay. I've got some stuff to say about that too. But I'm not going to right now because <laughs> it was a lot. Yeah, we're we're a little deep into the episode to get started on that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. The funniest thing about the Watchmen babies thing. So it was a it was a visual joke in uh, in an episode of The Simpsons where it was Watchmen babies v for ven- uh, vacation. If I recall, somebody actually animated an opening to that show on YouTube. It was <laughs> a very long time ago, so I don't know if it's still on YouTube, uh, but I remember seeing it. Please tell me it's a Muppet babies themed. It is <laughs> yes, uh, yes. Mm. That's excellent. That is, in fact, the joke. As we get to episode four of Watchmen on HBO, I'm just going to be thinking, da 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 It'll at least make it a little bit lighter. That's what I'm going to hum when I get to the next violent scene. We're like, uh-uh, things are too happy now. I know what happens. Somebody laughed. Somebody had a good time. Stop looking at the screen because something's going to happen. I So we should wrap this up soon because right. we've been going out for a while. But I do want to call out one other uh, kind of challenging piece of media that I just completed this past week. I finally went through and finished playing Life is Strange 2. So that series, um, both of the game, well, all three of the games, I should say, there's, there's Life is Strange, there's Life is Strange Before the Storm, and then there's Life is Strange 2. And... Uh, Life is Strange 2 is a interesting departure from the game, or at least the main storyline of there is somebody with a superpower and mm-hmm. kind of a supernatural setting around what's happening there. But it is all framed in the uh, the world of you are um, children who are trying to escape uh, a situation because... What's the best way to describe this? The character you are playing through as is not the one with superpowers. It is your younger brother. And it is where something somebody died because of what happened with his superpower. And it is framed in the fact that everybody is incredibly racist against you because you and your brother are brown, essentially. So they mm-hmm. are from mm-hmm. a Mexican family. And then it is telling their story of how do they escape because they, he just discovered his brother has this crazy power. Somebody died because of it. And now there are a whole bunch of people after them. And on top of that, a lot of them are racist. Um, and so it's the story of how do you escape from that? How do you deal with that confrontation? Well, that there was... are racist people in Seattle and Washington? Surprise! <laughs> and also Oregon and California and many other places along Shock. the way. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I will only put this out there that uh, this is not like the lighthearted... Uh, let's talk about like indie bands that we like while also discussing Chloe and Life is Strange. It is not mm-hmm. that. And I played the first episode of Life is Strange and I was like, woof, woo, that was that was a little deeper than I thought it was going to go. And I played a bit of episode two and then I put it down for some reason. I think I got towards the end and then I just kind of paused for a bit. And I finally played through this past weekend. Uh, apologies, this is usually where I plug that something's on Game Pass. I actually played it because it was leaving Game Pass, so it's no longer there. It's actually uh, gone now. So yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah. So if you do want to play it, you'll have to you'll have to buy it. But that being said, I did play through it all and it was it was rewarding to go through, but it was still challenging. 
it was still tough. Definitely like an experience I cannot relate to, but it's real topical right now. And it is real challenging, but it was, it was enjoyable, but it was not like an easy piece of medium, right? It's not my usual dragon age. I just want to shoot missiles, magic missiles from the the loft and, and, you know, be, be separated from that. So anyways, it was just all around challenging. And so I'm kind of looking forward to going back and rewatching a couple (laughs) episodes of Avatar and, and Shira and making myself feel better and not I was go- I was gonna say you just went from Life is Strange too. It's like can't wait to go back to Watchmen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I need something that's a little bit just like a little bit of fun. Just mm-hmm. uh, just like my comfort food of video games. I'm just gonna go talk about Dragon Age for a little bit and and that that's what I need for a minute. <laughs> so what did all of those white supremacists need all those batteries for? I don't know. Guess we're going to go find out. Not discussing spoilers, Charles. <laughs> so anyways, uh, thank you everybody for sticking through this uh, <laughs> conversation as we've, we've branched off into a lot of different places. Lots of challenging media, but would encourage you if you mm-hmm. are uh, willing and capable of partaking. It is, mm-hmm. It's worth the effort. And would love to hear your thoughts, quite honestly. This is mm-hmm. not something that I would expect everybody to watch and then just immediately put on their top 10 list, right? Like mm-hmm. this is something that I feel like challenges everybody. So would love to hear your thoughts on that. Um, uh, that I'll, being I'll, said. Also, Avatar challenging in a different way. You have to try not to cry and blubber every 22 minutes. To be fair, there's actually some still challenging moments in Avatar. Oh, but of yes, course uh, there is. Lots, yeah. of, lots of it is crying. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Again, yeah, there's a there's at least like one genocide in Avatar. No, I'm sorry. There's two genocides in Avatar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's not oh, yeah. oh man. Uh somebody called out the fact that those people who are watching it on Netflix don't have to go through the challenge that was between seasons two and season three because Appa is kidnapped and you had to wait for months to find out what happened to get a resolution there. <laughs> you just had to go to the next episode. So you had it, you had it easier, John. <laughs> yeah. Fuck that shit. Yeah. No. <laughs> nope. If you don't want to cry about things, maybe don't go straight to she <laughs> Oh yeah, that's true. No, I enjoy crying. That's the fun part. <laughs> yeah. That will, it will make you cry a lot. Oh, oh, I want to know when you watch it. Let's do a live cast. Mm-hmm. I really want to no. be part of that. I no, I, I, I created what, what cry bending. I'd have to like steal myself after every episode of Avatar to talk about it. Like I had, a, I had to like assume a stance. Otherwise that my voice would break. <laughs> I, yep. Just, All right, everybody. I'm going to wrap this up because otherwise we're going to have to find more emotional mm-hmm, mm-hmm. games to talk about. And we have to leave something for next week. Mm-hmm. So that being said, thank you again for joining us. You can catch us at Dorcadia.com at Dorcadia on most social medias, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, probably not mixer now we're gonna leave we're just gonna bypass that at the moment that is not something i'm discussing and we would like a rating five out of five what sky bisons sky yeah. Bison. Yes. Sky bison. well done no, i think it's just bisons yeah that's bisons. Right. Bi- bisonians sky buffalo no yeah those buffalo. five appas mm-hmm. yeah specifically appas yeah yes please like, I- yeah. Okay. All right. Thanks, everyone. Oh, what if? What? If, hold on. What if you had like Totoro Appas and they were like the little Appa, and there was oh. like a medium Appa, and there was like a big. Oh. Appa. 
Or what if Appa and Catbus became best friends? <laughs> I love how many shots are just Catbus. It's just Catbus. It's just Catbus. I yeah. love it. All it's right. It's just Catbus. <laughs> okay. Bye bye. <laughs>